You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And Roger. And we're filmmakers. And we are drinking bourbon. That we are. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Clink. Good to have you on the show, man. Good to be here. So while you're taking that sip, I'll take the time to ask a question. Mm -hmm. Who the hell are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Roger Holiday, and I work as a first assistant camera person and been working freelance for a long time and uh, can't do anything else at this point. <laughs> awesome. What, what exactly? So for any of our listeners who have no idea kind of what goes into a fully crewed and staffed shoot, m many of them are one-man bands, stuff like that. What is your description of a first assistant? Well, in the big crews, the first assistant would be the department head. Um, and the A camera assistant, uh, focus puller. Um, and then you would have a second assistant, which would be your, per your camera Sherpa in a sense, helps you move around. Uh, ideally the camera assistant would stay at the camera and everything would be brought to me. Mm. Um, ideally, ideally, <laughs> <laughs> but as things happen, things break down, systems don't work. Um, things have to be scrambled for, mm. but, uh, you know, that's a well, you know, and then you would also have a loader behind a second, um, you know, in a full team situation so mm -hmm. that if it were a film situation that varies now with the newer technology that's around, but, mm. um, that's a nice group of people to move around a bunch of stuff that's about the size of a piano. Mm. Um, by the time you put together a camera system, you've got a dozen cases ranging in size from two feet by three feet to little tiny ones. But and you're responsible for all of it. Yes. Yes. I'm responsible for keeping it all safe and not broken and there, <laughs> <laughs> which can be a challenge. Yes. Um, there's many times where it's like uh, two days later, it's like, oh, I still have this piece. <laughs> a place for everything and everything in its place. Exactly. Yeah. So, hey, uh, can you describe, I guess... On a, in that sense, in the, the crew setup you just explained, what's a typical day like for you? Like from step on set, first day of the production. Okay. Kind of what, what do you do? Well, drink a cup of coffee, have a donut, um, and find out where the first shot is. You know, you, you talk to the DP, you say, okay, where, you know, where do you need the camera set? How do you need it set up? What lens do you want? Uh, and it's a placement situation. And where where else are we going to be? Because you kind of want to keep thinking jumps ahead so that you don't back yourself into a corner or you're able to move forward with everybody else. But um, then it's a matter of building the camera, uh, which is, you know, putting a lens on. There's a follow focus. There's a matte box. There's an onboard monitor. There's batteries. There's several things to build. And then running your lines to monitors. Um and basically setting it up so the DP can sit down and compose his picture relaxed. Hmm. Ideally. Ideally. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to keep using that word. Ideally. Um, that's awesome. Have have things changed 
obviously they've changed throughout the course of your career, but starting, I mean, I'm assuming you worked in film, actual film film? Yes. Back yes. in the day. As digital's come up, has anything changed as far as your position is concerned? Yeah. Oh, well, there's many changes. And I, I think the biggest change has to be do has to do with uh, seeing what your work is. Uh, as I started, onboard monitors didn't exist. There was a video tap in the film camera that would be sent off so that the director and the people that need to see things could see things, but they're standard deaf, very uh, old, soft monitors. Mm -hmm. So they were good for framing references only. But you couldn't pull focus off? No, no. So my job was measuring and making marks and really familiarizing myself with the physical space of where I am and where they're going to be or where they might be. Um, and then after the shot was done, I look at the DP and go, how'd I do? I think we got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to, you know, I, how'd I do? Yeah. Uh, and now, I mean, I've got a monitor, you've got a monitor, 16 people over there got monitors. Um, so I can physically see that my work is okay or not. And unfortunately, so can everybody else. Mm. Um, so... That's, I think that's the biggest change. And other than equipment getting smaller and lighter and cheaper, mm. um, you know, you start out with a, a film camera, camera, if you needed to buy one, you're, you're talking over $100,000 for a body, and it's a substantial investment. And nowadays, it's 500 bucks on eBay, or they ship it to you for free. <laughs> 4K, right at your door. <laughs> right at your door. That's crazy. But I, what I've noticed... You know, I, I obviously I grew up in the digital age and heard stories of sets past and how things used to be done. The glory days, I guess. Uh, it seems like there's a huge push towards smaller, lighter, more nimble, less people. I, is that something that you're noticing? Are they taking assistance away from you and taking things that you may have used to have but don't have anymore? Um, personally, I haven't had... Most of my work, I've been a camera assistant without a second. Mm. I mean, because, you know, the range of the stuff I'm shooting is not top, top, top. But, you know, it's big enough for film and this and that. So I would, you know, there are a lot of jobs I'd be a loader in a first, you know. It's wow. like I have, you know, I have to step away. I have to load a mag. I'll be right back. Oh, who did that? That is, that's not me. The sound man? Yeah. There's uh, crickets in the, in the... You guys got to do some cleaning in here, Bart. This mm. is... Beep. Bugs and beeping bugs and uh. yeah. So anyway, um, lost my train there. You've been a first without an, a oh, second. Oh well, yeah, yeah. You working know, so by myself. Doing so everything. it, uh, you know, it, it is kind of you get frazzled sometimes. Um, and unfortunately, the tendencies I've seen over the years are we want to do the same thing, but we want to do it with less money. Mm. And that you know that affects a lot of people. Everything. <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately, the conclusion to that whole effect is, I don't know, it's, it doesn't seem beneficial to people. No, not but, at all. But that's a downer. Um, yeah. Well, did you, so doing, in doing all the kind of jobs at once as a first, you know, head of department, just being in control of everything, did you start in like loader, camera, PA kind of territory? Where, 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 what were your beginnings? Um, okay. Well, 
I, I like to say I've done every job except choreography. Please tell me you were like a, a neurosurgeon and then you got into it or something. <laughs> no, I was a grip. Oh. Uh, so it's kind of opposite uh, of the neurosurgeon. But, uh, yeah. you know, I just kind of started out of college. And mm. one of the professors that I worked with was doing commercials on the side. And he invited me to work on one of those. And so all of a sudden I get out of the studio situation and the TV station situation. And I'm in a world where they bring a truck and you got lights on it. And you bring them out and you build a dolly and you push it around and you go home at the end of the day. And it's like, oh, my God, this is this is for me. I, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And so fortunately, you know, you meet a couple people. You, you work kind of hard. You throw yourself into it. And... And now you're you, gripping. And then you're gripping. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you're being electric. You do electric. And, you know, the smaller jobs, it's not a grip department and an electric department. It's a G&E. G&E, yeah. exactly. So whatever you throw in. I mean, there was a few times that I was a mag load and dolly grip. Wow. <laughs> Good Lord. And I'd say, you know. If I you can't get, set that flag. I got to load a mag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but it's a good pitching in. It was a, it, was, uh, it was definitely crossing lines. Wow. Um. But, Those were not union jobs. <laughs> no, and, and well, I'm not a member of that club. Yeah, I, I'm so, just saying. Yeah, yeah they yeah. would they would have a fit. Oh my god, no, yeah. it would no, I would no, mm. can't happen. But then, uh, so then I worked as a, a crane operator and mm-hmm. uh, did electric and kind of had to wait for a a position to open. At the time, there were very few camera ACs and they were both really good and both busy mm. so I kind of had to wait for one to drift away and the other drift away so I could kind of get into that spot and once I was in I was there nice was there a you know one, one person you remember from back in that time that like gave you a shot or a moment or a job that you remember that like oh this was the start of my AC career any standouts no <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> no, yeah, it is all a blur. I mean, I I did have a uh, a job at Instant Replay um, in the early '90s, and they sent me to Rockport to uh, camera assistant school. Wow, which was a week long process with uh, Doug Hart, who is an AC from he's like the god mm-hmm. of all ACs. Worked with Woody Allen, you know, all this stuff. And it was interesting because there were a lot of people that were PAs and they're trying to decide what they want to do. And so they would, you know, I want to be in the camera department. So then they would go to Rockport and think they'd go to their week and they'd come out with their little Rockport and then they could be a camera assistant. Uh-huh. But for a lot of people, it doesn't work that way. No, 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 no. Um, and he was very Panavision oriented and very, I mean, New York. AC and yeah. and at the time Aeroflex was coming out with new cameras and the 535 was a brand new machine and it had a laptop that you could attach to it with an Ethernet cable and and change parameters in the camera. Oh wow! And this guy's like, what the what the hell is this? You know, it's a doorstop. He'd throw it. You know, it was it was really funny. Anti-digital. Yes, and uh, but uh, you know, so that kind of got my foot there, camera assistant wise. Wow. And uh, and I was able to work into this, you know, and you get to know everybody. And yeah. it is, at the time, it, the biggest problem is trust. Mm. Because as the person who handles the film, every dollar that is spent that day 
passes through your fingers mm-hmm. a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So all it takes is a missed piece of tape. And <laughs> well, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't say that there haven't been scrambles at the day going. Where is roll six? Oh, I no, I saw it six. I saw, it, I saw, it, I saw it. Where? Is, uh, but crazy. No blood, no foul. Oh my gosh. We and you know in the these digital times, there's still moments like that. But I, I can't imagine that kind of uh, uh, pressure or anxiety. Well, when you screw up, you know right exactly when you do it. Yeah. I mean, yes, I have flashed a Mac, okay? Oh, yes, yeah. I'm confessing. I think every, every good AC has, right? <laughs> and isn't that what they but, say? Every but, good loader has? As soon as you see that big fat roll of film in that magazine and your brain goes, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Screaming on and, the inside. And then your heart goes into your gut. And... Somebody was telling me a story on set the other day of... When they were new, you know, as a, as a loader, very green. Actually, not very green. No, he he was pretty seasoned. This was on uh, uh, the, the picture I did, the public. Oh, uh-huh. the public. So the AC from New York was telling me a story about uh, he was up for a job as a loader, and the you know he had been very fortunate to have never flashed a mag in his career. The DP was talking to him, interviewing him, and he asked him that question. He was like, you know, very simply, have you flashed a mag? And he was like, thankfully, no, I have not. He's like, all right, well, thank you for your time. I'm going to, you know, keep searching. He wanted somebody <laughs> that had known <laughs> the terror of that moment so that they would never do it again. He's like, I, I got to have somebody that's done it, that's screwed up, that knows that they're never going to do it again. Well, it is a lesson. Yeah. And you... <laughs> become quite careful you know it's like <laughs> flying after uh 9-11 it's like mm. it's the safest time to do it because yeah. everybody is really looking out oh that's crazy i just thought it was so funny oh you've never flashed a mag well you're not the guy from me <laughs> <laughs> well I've, I've had dps tell me uh um there's a hair in the gate you know you have to check the gate okay and and for history's sake uh checking the gate means the you have the the hole that the film passes behind and little strands of film can come off the side of the film and end up in the edge of the frame. And like every library film you've ever seen, there's that dangling mm-hmm. hair. And after a good take, the camera assistant will take the lens off and put a flashlight down the front and look at the film and the edges of the, the frame to see if there's a hair. Mm-hmm. And if there is, you have to announce proudly, there's a hair in the gate, and then you redo it. Mm. So I've had DP, there was one DP that, you know, as I go to check the gate goes, there's a hair in the gate. And I look at him kind of funny and he he goes, there's a hair in the gate. Okay. And I kind of take the lens off and put my flashlight in there and go, there's a hair in the gate. Because he wanted to do another take. Gotcha. He wasn't happy with what he had done and he was afraid they were going to move on. And this was his control to say, I want another one. Wow. That's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that still happens. There's a different version of that now. There has you know? to be. There, yeah. there has to be. Um, but there's a hair in the gate, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it was the way he said it that made me think. You're like I better Some, something's not right. I gotta find one. <laughs> I wonder what would have happened if you said no. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> and and there might have been a day I'd done that. Um, Sorry, dude. No, no, we're all good. It's not yeah. me. Yeah. Well, because it comes down to you. If you're the guy loading the mag and there's a hair in the gate, and if there's three of them, all of a sudden they start looking at you like, 
What, what's wrong with your bag? Is your changing bag dirty? Or yeah. why is there? That's just insane. But some rolls are just hairier than others. <laughs> it's a Bigfoot roll. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. What are uh, what are some of the things you? What I guess first of all, did you start? Have you always been in Cincinnati? I have. I've been in Cincinnati my whole career. Your whole career. That's awesome. Right. Well, I did go to OU for a little bit, as we know. Go Bobcats. My alma mater. Yeah. Um, and I was in fine arts photography there. Ooh. And then I kind of got interested in advertising and started going to UC and took a couple film classes and couldn't get to CCM because it's really hard to transfer into that. Hmm. But just took classes with a professor on the side and then got invited, as I said earlier, to do commercials with him. And mm-hmm. wow. the rest was the beginning. The rest was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now it's history. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. funny. Do, uh, do you have any favorite jobs that you've done? Are there are there specific types of jobs that you prefer over others? You know, I I do enjoy food. I do enjoy food shots. Me too. After this, you want to grab a bite? Oh, lovely, <laughs> lovely. But I would look at it really closely and go over top of it real slow because mm. um, you know I, I like the, uh, the macro focusing. Oh yeah. You know, and so I, I like the. Uh, the style of shooting that goes along with that—that's that's usually kind of entertaining for me, mm. because there's you know things that are happening in the frame, and sometimes well, there's one job I've been doing that uh, they use high-speed photography to do the food stuff, mm-hmm. and so it all comes down to more timing than watching. Ah, you know, it's like yeah. I you know as this happens because we're doing it at a thousand frames. You know, if you want to do a focus pull in the middle of a thousand frames, you can't, you can't wait. (laughs) You can't. It's tough to judge. You can't. I mean, it's really, it's a crapshoot. You just kind of have to, okay, he's going, I'm going to go and I've got my marks and I'm going to trust the system. Yeah. And it works, but uh, I I like doing that. I like, well, I do enjoy the studio. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a a contained area that I, I know I'm safe. <laughs> Everything's right there. Everything's There's no moves. <clears throat> nope. No. I do enjoy that. Okay. You do a lot of on location stuff too, though, right? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's cheaper, probably. Yeah. Now it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Studio builds are fun, though. <laughs> lighting. I love yeah. lighting. We did. We did one recently in the studio. A little hair job. Right. Right. That uh, Brandon showed me a a, a colored version of it. it. Looks great. Good. So, good job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a fun one. Wow. Where do you uh, where do you see yourself, or do you see yourself in the business in ten years? I have to be. Yeah. <laughs> and um, if so, there's a follow up to that. Yes. And if so, do you want anything to change as far as what you're doing? Okay. So I. I do see myself hopefully working in 10 years just because I'm not ready to stop working. It it, it keeps you very active. I mean, it, mm-hmm. uh, it it's a good thing for that. Um, it's funny. I said a while ago, you know, would have been like eight years by now, but I said at this point in my career, I want to be a pointer and mm. not a carrier, <laughs> you know? Um, and that didn't happen. Um, but... Uh, I'm really kind of satisfied with where I am. I, I, the DP thing is, it's fun. I mean, I guess my ideal world would be more of an operator. I mean, because, you know, it's 
you're the guy sitting in the middle of the seat. You don't have to drive the truck. You don't have to open the gate. You know, mm -hmm. you're just sitting there and, and operating, and everybody else is in charge of everything. It's perfect. Um, it is nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the DP thing, I, I, I can't say that I don't. When things sometimes go awry, as they will, yeah. I'm very happy to sit back and not be in that seat. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it would certainly be awfully willing to try and get everybody else out of that seat. But uh, totally. um, but you've you've done that, right? Oh, yeah. I've yeah, DP'd yeah, yeah. several projects and stuff. But uh, um, I just have never concentrated on making that a, a change. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I've DP'd two... Feature-length films, uh, actually two feature-length films, one half-hour short. Wow. Uh, got a friend that has an ad agency that I do commercials for him. Nice. Three or four times a year, so. Do it all. I do it all. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll paint your house if you pay my day rate. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to know. <laughs> I think I'll hire a painter. <laughs> They're cheaper. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you're, you're acing. I'm glad you didn't change anything because I like working with you well I enjoy our, our time together hmm speaking of not speaking of I'm going to change the subject entirely I don't know what I'm talking about not speaking of anything that we were talking about uh, do you watch anything specific or do you just work all the time do you, do you like to relax and watch TV shows that other people make I watch TV shows that other people make but yeah. I I don't watch them. I watch them as a viewer, I guess. I don't watch them as a worker. Um, it's hard. I don't know how you do that. I don't pay attention to it very much, really. <laughs> I'm kind of doing some other other things while I'm watching, you know. But yeah. you know, like everybody else, we're into the the series binges and all that mm. kind of stuff. Netflix, uh, HBO, Hulu. Yeah. All. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Game of Thrones. Are you Game of Thrones? Um, by proxy. Ah, okay. My wife is, uh, my son is a big, they're both big Game of Thrones fans, but, yeah. and, I, and I'll, I'll watch. She'll tell me when to look up. Um, it's pretty, pretty cinematography. It, it is, you know, show. it's pretty epic. Yeah. Um, they do a good job playing in shadow in that one. Yes, yes. Uh, a funny little story that really doesn't have anything to do with the look of it. It was my, my wife and my son both like to watch it, mm -hmm. but my son will not. My, my son's 21. Okay, so, but. He will not watch Game of Thrones with my wife. Why? Mom, I am not going to watch Game of Thrones. Because, like, you. the nudity aspect? Yes, I do oh. believe, I believe that's all. That I think, you know. And it went so bad as to last summer, he had friends that would come over to the house <clears throat> to watch the show. Yeah. And she was out. No, you're not. No. Wow. That's crazy. It's, yeah. Huh. So you're more a dramatic guy or a... Uh... Comedy guy, you kind of personally. Watch both? I, I like to keep things light. Don't, yeah. don't like trauma. Don't like you know okay. conflict and stuff. Uh, I enjoy comedies more than than other. But you know, we've been watching. We've been getting into shows that have been around too long ago. I mean, we just watched all of um, The Wire. I still haven't seen it. People keep telling me because I just worked with uh, on the public Omar. I guess is his name. Oh, right. Omar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, also, uh, Chalky Michael. Yeah, Michael White from yeah. uh, he was from Boardwalk Empire too. I haven't seen that either. So that's another one. You know, slacking here. I'm like a burp on camera. I, I think you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, 
on mic. <laughs> yeah, this is a different thing for us. Oh, man. Um, that's awesome. How was The Wire? I liked it. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. That was a film show, I think. Yeah, like it was. I, I, think, I think it was, yeah. Wow. And it was, you know, there's a lot of action, a lot of gritty. Yeah. And, yeah, I liked it a lot. Man, I'm itching to do something on film. I really am. It's been six years since I've loaded a mag. Okay, six years. Yeah, and I have. It's, I have. A, I have occasional dreams about it. Really, I do. I, I like one dream I had. I walk up to two random people and they're standing there talking and they've got a thirty-five BL mag in their hand and it's like, "Hi, uh, c- could I load that?" <laughs> <laughs> just for I, fun. I, I, I just want to do it. Come on, because I'm I'm really good at it. I'm really fast and. Yeah. I can really do that, but so that's something you'd be you'd be down to do. Oh, definitely. Ah, oh, that's good to know. Definitely, I'm gonna make it happen. Please do. We uh, so I just got back from an overseas trip with my wife. We went to Portugal, <laughs> and for the first time ever, uh, I shot film stills instead of digital stills. I okay. bought uh, so you know Jake Hosfeld. Oh yeah, I know Jake. Yeah. So Jake, for our listeners out there, Jake is a was a, a really fantastic gaffer around town who left recently to go to AFI out in LA to uh, pursue cinematography. And so I bought a bunch of old film stuff from him. I bought an old Nikon FM stills camera, SLR, and a 50 mil lens off of him. And a, Okay, how much you pay? 150 bucks for everything. Yeah. Yeah, plus a bunch of like... But they only sold 250 new. Develop, well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Plus a bunch of developer, a bunch of changing Oh, bags, really? Okay, so of, you're loading your own rolls then? Or? Well, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to ship these first nine rolls off and okay. see if I Did even know what the hell black I'm and white? Both. Okay. I shot uh, two rolls of Ilford... Uh, HP5? HP5 was the 400 right. ASA stock and then... Uh, what's the 200 ASA? There's a different Delta, Delta 200. Okay. So I did two rolls of Delta 200, two rolls of HP5, uh, three rolls of super crappy Fuji film 200 drugstore stock. Right, right. And then two rolls of uh, not as crappy Kodak Ultramax 400. So five rolls of color, four, ro- four rolls of black and white, and we'll see if anything develops at all. I think you, you know. Yeah. Granted, you don't have fourteen stops in latitude. We'll um, see. But you know, with with print, you still have you still have seven. Like you'll have yeah. three above and four below. I'm like, why? Well, I, I took my light meter, well, and so I, of course, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I tried to do it uh do it right. But I'm really excited. I I found this photo studio or photo uh film lab out in L. A. called Richard. Photo Lab, I think, mm-hmm. is what's called. Yeah, I'm gonna send them, send it off to them. It's expensive, but they they seem to know what they're doing, and they develop and scan it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess there aren't any any local color developers. <clears throat> Nobody that I found that's uh, experienced enough, or you know, mm-hmm. has the reputation, but if. Excuse me, if you guys know of anybody, if you know of anybody. Well, there was a place, Robin Color Lab. I don't know. <clears throat> I haven't looked they, uh, you know, they were down on Central Parkway, and hmm. there was uh, there was one up in Clifton, but who knows? It was hard to even find film <clears throat> to purchase. I had to purchase it in Portugal. At uh, They have a place there called 
uh, photo color and something else. And they had a Leica store in Lisbon. So I'd have purchased it over, overseas. I couldn't find anything here. I, it was either order it online or, right. you know. Did it come in a lead line bag? No. Uh-oh. For shit for x-rays? Yeah. I did a bunch of research on that before I left. And they say, well, TSA says. TSA. Yeah. <laughs> 800 ASA is their limit for hand checks. So if it's 800 ASA or above, they will swab it, swab the canisters and and see if it contains anything. And if it's below that, they say, don't worry about it? They say you're safe in their, in their tests or whatever. Right. You're safe. Uh, an 800 ASA speed film can go through like four times. I was going to say how many passes. Because, yeah, you know, before you... it becomes apparent. But it's, you know, it builds up over time. Right. So if you're, right. you know, on a big trip and it goes through 15 times. It's clogging up your highlights. So it's... the only film that I took over was that cheapo Fujifilm 200 stuff. And oh, okay. it's super low sensitivity. So right. the dude was like, this stuff could go through 20 times and be fine. Yeah, for his so satisfaction. We'll yeah. But I was, I, I tried everywhere I went. I was like, can you guys hand check this, please? Do I have to scan this? Can I, can I, uh? and they were like, nope, it's not, not fast enough. Well, especially in this day. Actually, okay, here's a funny film story. Yeah. Um, the Olympics in Atlanta, you know, they had just yeah. had, they had a bombing. Mm-hmm. You know, where the guy set a, something down on the street. Uh, and we were shipping film to Atlanta for a job that I did up here. Mm-hmm. So in order to ship through Delta Dash, we had to take the I had to take the film. It was kind of late, so they said, you have to take the film. I had to take my changing bag with me. The guy demanded that we untape those cans. And it's like... <laughs> can't do that. No, we cannot take those cans. Are you insane? There's film in here. You open them up. It's, no, and there's no yeah. film. And he said, well, I have to be able to touch them. And it's like, well, okay. So I, I brought my changing bag. Oh, and it's God. like, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to go in the changing bag and I'm going to untape the can. And I'm going to, there's a plastic bag inside. You know, you got the can, yeah. you got the film bag, and then you got the film. So there is a layer of protection. I didn't tell him about. Um, but I said, okay, I will take the lid off the can. And he reached in one side of the changing bag. I was in the other side of the chain, and he did the wand thing uh-huh. on the film before he would let me uh, wow. ship it. Crazy. So That's, yeah, nerve-wracking. You're like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. I need to open that. Yeah. But, well, no. Sorry. You can't. And try to tell that to TSA. No, you can't do that. Well, it's better <clears> that he <throat> said, I need to do that versus just doing it. You know, that's true. Some of these TSA agents will just do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll see if uh, there's any damage whatsoever. Uh, there, you know, I got back and I was worried about it. Got on the forums and stuff, and some guys are like, "Yeah, it took 1600 speed film over to Dubai and it went through like 30 times, and it's fine." Like, I don't know how that's possible, but lucky. You don't know what they can <laughs> see and what they don't see. Yeah. So. Who knows? We will see. But if uh, if I'm able to to pull together a, a film shoot, a f- uh, motion project, yes, it would be yes, epic, yes. So I, I'm gonna check out these stills, these low uh, low risk stills first, <laughs> and see well, if, if I know what the hell I'm and doing. And even the newer film stocks are they're yeah. not so crazy. No, I mean if you want to challenge yourself with your still camera, yeah, buy a roll of Ektachrome. Oh yeah, yeah, they just started making it again, and and shoot Ektachrome and. 
you got to be right on, right? Half. You're saying quarter of a stop difference. Yeah, I was, well, was going to give you a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, that if you have to, you want to challenge yourself. I will. I, and I, will I know accept you do. that challenge. You're, you're a challenging kind of guy. I, I, I could see that. That I am. You know me. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I'm glad they're doing that, though, bringing back old stocks. Uh, they're talking about. Uh, what did they, they talk about? Kodachrome? They bring out. They brought out. They brought back Ektachrome for Motion, and they're talking about Kodachrome. Okay. So they're saying it's real. It's a hard, lot harder to manufacture, and they don't have the facilities. Kodachrome. <clears throat> yeah, they're totally. I mean, like yeah. you can develop uh, Ektachrome in your home. Mm. You can, you know, buy an E6 pack, and you can. Yeah. Temperature has to be 100 degrees plus or minus half a degree for your. De- development and yeah. there's seven minutes and you know, five seconds of agitation all that you know that right. stuff and your hand temperature will affect the <laughs> well actually for Kodachrome they suggest you run a hot water bath oh wow and you have a metal developing can uh-huh. and you run your your water is 100, 100 degrees so, so whenever change. you're not agitating you just set it back in the water oh, wow. and it'll keep it'll keep that's crazy I'll, I'll pay the $20 then and Kodachrome <laughs> If you you can't develop Kodachrome at home because the byproduct is cyanide gas. Oh wow! So you got to have uh, all the well irrigate or the well. No, you just could never do it. Kodak always did Kodachrome. Wow! In like a sealed chamber. Findlay, who knows? Who knows oh. what they do in Findlay, Ohio? Man, but they're not there anymore, are they? No, long no, gone. No, yeah, long gone. I think they they've got one on either coast. Hopefully, or they're looking at bringing back a couple. New York and LA. I. I would hope. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, they just launched that uh, Super 8 millimeter self-contained cartridge camera. Do you see that? No. They have this little, you know, old school trigger right. Super 8 camera with a digital audio recorder that you can sync later that you just buy these, uh, you buy the cartridges, Super 8 cartridges. Right. And included in the price is the development as well. So you shoot it, ship it off, they develop it, send it back to you on like a little thumb drive and just like film. Just like they did in the 60s. It's crazy. So if they're doing that, if they're, you know, reinvesting in film that way, the, you have to imagine that they're well getting I'm, the post side. The big, I mean, like everything nostalgic, mm-hmm. <laughs> film has become one of those things, unfortunately. You know, it, it, it kind of went really back and forth quick, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but now it's like, Quentin Tarantino, you know, I want to shoot this in 70 millimeter. I want to, a few guys. Yeah. J.J. Abrams and right. a couple of guys. Yeah. And and so because of them and, and <laughs> they have the clout. Yeah. They uh, won't let it die. No, exactly. I mean, and that's 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 what it's all about. The market share may be, you know, pea-sized, but by, you know, in five years. Right. But it'll still be there, I mm-hmm. guess. Just be very expensive. Well, it yeah. deserves to be. <laughs> yeah. You could always shoot it in 8K red Vista Vision or whatever. You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I guess, I guess in a sense they still shoot things digitally, but then they never print them on film. I mean, they never they yeah. never go that opposite direction where they. Uh, you could though. You could. So I think some people have done from, that. Okay. Yeah, they've there's a, there have been a few productions that have shot on digital, printed a film, scanned the film back in. And, and then deliver digital, digital. <laughs> 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 just to get that you know authentic film grain in the highlight roll off and well, the, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So I don't know. There it, things are going every which way, and kind of see where they land. It's always in flux. As long as they're going, they are going. 
That's crazy. Well, uh, so there's three questions. One of which I already asked you. What are you What are you watching? Uh, another one's What are you working on? Anything current or coming up that you're you know in the works for? Uh, well, I I I just did a very interesting project uh, Tuesday, um, and it was at Shaker Village in Kentucky. Yeah, which the Shakers are a religious sect that actually are spinoffs from the Quakers. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people know them for their furniture and their uh, simplistic uh, designs with lines, very geometric stuff, uh, quilts and this mm-hmm. and that. But they were a society. And so a choreographer who likes to do pieces in significant places. Mm-hmm. She draws on the energy in the room to help her dance mm. and she her project was a, a group of ballet dancers 17 or so that she hadn't met before they all meet at shaker village she has different dance moves like a, a series of like three or four little moves that they put together to make like a, a five second ten second dance move mm. and then they'll repeat this dance move for 20 minutes wow as a group but not choreographed there's no soundtrack there's no it's just your interpretation of the move and how you feel as you do the move will change over 20 minutes yeah as things get sore things or whatever but um <clears throat> as as your energy changes through the whole interesting whole deal and it was it was very interesting so so you filmed this whole process yes yes they did um probably s- seven or eight different uh, patterns is what they would call them. Mm. It's a pattern. Mm-hmm. And as the day would go on, you could put an earlier pattern into the pattern you were doing. And If you felt it? If you felt it. Uh-huh. Exactly. And um, part of the interesting aspects of the dance was the, sh- the Shakers believe that you can be possessed by a, a, a spirit mm-hmm. of a deceased person friend foe whoever is out there you know they can they're they're welcome to be shakers as well but as the she read a couple letters from people that lived in the village and there was a, a letter from one woman who was talking about an indian spirit who was trying to get in but he hadn't confessed his sins yet and and made pure mm. so that he could be part of the meetings because once you do that then your spirit can be a part of these meetings with the live people wow and you can interact and you can dance and you can sing and you can shake man um so some of these you know in the first 20 minutes of the thing where people just kind of standing there kind of quaking possessed and stomping their foot and quaking wow and then other dance you know they were, were, were more intricate and everything but it was I learned a lot. Was it uh was the piece the recorded piece was it just dancing or was there any kind of explanatory uh stuff about the faith or anything? I think there there will be because oh, okay. you know they they're shooting B-roll. I wasn't involved in the B-roll. I was just really in, involved in the big shoot day, but nice. they you know they were shooting B-roll before and after. So and and I would think you'd have to because they're going <clears> to <throat> they're going to show the piece at the at the Quaker Village and at other Quaker villages, but mm. um, 
the two women that that directed it and choreographed it have done many projects. You know, just what I've learned over the last couple of days, they've done projects in Afghanistan, in uh, in the fjords. Um, wow. And all kinds of, and it's really location driven in a sense. Hmm. And it was very interesting. Now it's shakers. Now it was shakers. Move, movers and the movers, shakers. Movers and shakers. <laughs> and uh, wow. What did you? Uh, what are some of the technical aspects of it? What did you shoot it on? What What was your position? Um, actually, I, I. Well, I was hired to be a camera assistant, but I ended up being a camera operator. Huh. Um, and. I was told it was going to be two uh, Alexa minis, one on Steadicam, one not. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking a big deal because I thought, well, okay, I'm going to be in a closet with a follow focus and a monitor. And uh, yeah. And as it turned out, it was way smaller. It was really Canon DSLRs. Uh, wow. The D1 is a new one? The 1DX. 1DX, yeah. okay. So okay. he had two of those. And he had a, uh, a gimbal arm, small gimbal arm okay. that he put on a Steadicam arm. Yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, and and he pulled his own focus, which, you know, I mean, because... On the Moby thing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, okay. And so there was a second camera. So I basically operated the second camera. Nice. So that was fun. Very cool. I'm excited to see that. I don't know where we're going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if there's a potential, yeah. 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 I, yeah I, well, I have I have some video on my phone that, that I shot of, of really the dancer, dancers doing their thing. Wow. And, uh, Quaking. It, it was... Uh, and, and there were... Well, there was also a woman that worked for the Shaker Village uh-huh. who is the music director there. And so in the first couple patterns... She came in and sang Shaker hymns as she meandered through the Quakers, Um, and that that wasn't even planned. That was just someone they met that morning, who said, "Well, what are you guys doing here today?" We're, you know, well, we're doing this thing with dance and music, and and she's like, "Oh, can I sing? I would love to sing with this." And she goes, "I thought I was just going to do some boring school trips today, but." You know, and so she gave us an hour of her time. Wow! And so the beautiful the performance voice. evolved, just it, like you said, based on the location and who's there. Exactly, and and we kind of think she. There was a little bit of conflict between the the Shaker Village and the people that wanted to do this that they weren't a hundred percent in. Mm. Maybe I should be saying this. Mm. Secret stuff. Don't talk. Um, <laughs> so they didn't tell this lady about what was going on. Yeah, and they were kind of made to say like, "No, you can do this, but we can't use any of our people." You know, they were kind of like, you know, we, we've got a line here. Yeah. And she kind of positioned herself right at the front door when we were walking in the morning at 7.30 going in to, to start setting up. It's like, and she's like, well, what are you doing here? Oh. Uh, she knew. She knew. She she, knew. she wanted to be a star. And, and she did. And she wanted, and it was amazing. She Her voice, the room is very, very boomy. Yeah. Um, they actually had developed uh, an engineering way to cantilever the ceiling, kind of like a cathedral, I guess, so mm-hmm. that the all supports were in the attic. And you had one big room, which was uh, 50 by 75, mm. that had no support pillars in it. Wow. Oh, hit the yeah. bourbon there. Lots of free um, space. So, and it was all wood and, and plaster, so it was very, very resilient yeah. town-wise. And, and this woman knew how to sing. She'd sing into a corner. 
Yeah. And it would just like bounce back. Ew, it was really yeah, hard. She services. could use it. She would she would sweep her voice across it so that it would come and go through the through the bounce. Wow. She's working that space. She oh definitely. Man. But uh, it was fun. Very uh, cool. And other than that, it's just lottery commercials and hospital commercials. Dude. Well that's <laughs> I mean, those those are the type of projects that uh you know kind of rejuvenate the soul, keep you interested and involved and mm. Yeah. That's really cool, man. What a uh, final question of the, you know, our thing. Uh huh. What are you excited about? Anything coming up or any pieces of gear? Are you a tech nerd? Are you a, what are you excited about? Well, personally, I'm kind of an anti-tech nerd. I'm a, I'm a keep it simple guy. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of, you know, there are model numbers for a lot of different cameras, and they're all very similar. And everyone says, "Do you work with a blah 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 blah?" And it's like, "Well, is it a camera?" Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm like. It's like eh, I'm not so much into the the finite pieces of it. They're yeah. all kind of the same, and I'll learn the menu when I get there. Exactly. Um, but uh, see, future things. It it seems that everything is trending towards gimbals and anamorphics. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of is is the flow of the work these days and because of that i guess i am enjoying the remote focus game mm. a lot more i mean because it you know it's it's very common it's almost half the time these days yeah um it's always on the order yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> at, not, least not, to <laughs> at least to start at least to start why do we why is this here do we need this yeah no <laughs> that's hey you're fine um, Buy me another lens sometimes. <laughs> exactly, you know. Spend your money on something more creative. Don't yeah. don't make me comfortable. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I you know the remote focus and the gimbals are yeah they're are they're so functional. In the in the remote focus world, is there anything that's come out recently that's uh, made things easier or more? Well, more? well, the, the Alexa Mini, you yeah. know, is a is a good system. It has, you know, on a. Remote focus, there's usually a, uh, it's called an MDR, and it's the receiving box on the camera mm -hmm. that works between the wireless focus and the camera, and then it goes to the motors and drives them and this and that, and that's all built into the camera itself. So there's a box that's about the size of two packs of cigarettes that is gone. Mm. And so that's weight and wires and power that aren't being consumed. Uh, as an addition to the camera, they are part of the camera. Because the handset just talks directly to the camera. Now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you program the lenses into the camera itself. You call them up. They're all pre-programmed so that you can... Part of the amazing part is you, you have different dials on the handset that have different distances between. Like if you've got between 10 feet and 20 feet, you'll have one dial that it's a big difference. Mm -hmm. And then another dial for maybe a, a, a longer lens, it's smaller. You can put these different knobs or dials on and mm -hmm. just tell the device what knob is on it. Mm. And everything changes and the readout for it. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. if you find, if there's a shot that you're doing, it's kind of too subtle. You know, you, can't, you gotta move the, the knob really small yeah. I find that if I go to the the longest dial, it changes the distance that my movement is necessary because it, it changes. It. Yes, it remaps it, and so it makes it a little easier for me to to make a move that's not so tiny. Yeah, bigger throw. Yeah, 
Interesting. Do you uh, do you work with? Uh, that's what I'm looking for. The uh, uh, kind of sonar. Cinetape. Uh, Cinetape. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> it's all monitor based and marks based, right? Well, I. Ha- it's a learning thing. You know, I think it's something that you would have to learn. And if I had time, I might learn to like it. Yeah. But to me, I've got either the follow focus that I got to look at. I got to look at, hopefully I don't have to look at the lens because the follow focus and the lens should be saying the same thing. Yeah. But I've either got to look at that, then I got to look at a monitor. And then I also really have to check the real world. I mean, I just can't lock myself into these two devices because... It's a lot of anticipatory Well. Stuff. If you've got a zoom, <laughs> then then yeah. when I think you're moving in with the camera and you're merely zooming in, yeah, I'm going to start pulling focus for a movement that I see that's not happening. Yes. So all of a sudden it's just going to go soft because I'm going to pull forward and, and it it's really just a zoom in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. So I mean, there is and and to me, a cinetape is just an another device to to look at. Yeah. Adding a, another way to look away. So I I Great. don't know it. Okay, yeah, I was just curious. I, I you know some people like it, some people hate it, some people would prefer tape measure and <clears throat> yeah, and just marks on the floor. Well, so it. I mean, I've seen some cameras that are just really really cluttered with stuff. I yeah. mean, by the time you put the MDR, or the Cinetape, the monitor, you got two monitors maybe for, and and there's you know six things hanging on a camera. Yep. And then it's like, quick, we got to get this camera over here. And then you're trying to, you can't even get your hand into the knob because there's so much <laughs> stuff to reach through. Yes. And it, see, that's, uh, I, as an operator, when I, when I do my operator jobs, I, and most of my DP jobs, I operate as well. But that's one thing that I really appreciate with a good AC is like the rigging and the build. If you, you have a nice tight build with the cables in the right spots, you right. know, you're good. But sometimes it, <laughs> due to the amount of gack that's on it or the person that's doing it, it gets, you're right, cluttered. Mm-hmm. It affects the the frame. So, because like you said, if I can't get my hand here and it, yeah, <laughs> wonky, crazy. Well, what's coming up, man? Oh, uh, bourbon. Jobs? Yeah, you put <laughs> <laughs> some work. That's fine. You uh yes please I'll have a little more. Um, you just did some Kentucky Derby stuff, right? I did. I was at the Derby uh, two weeks ago. How was that? I love the Derby. Yeah, you you were telling me a little bit about the setup and who you're working with and the way things go and. So uh, three years ago, I worked. Uh, there's a Kentucky Derby movie. If you go to the Derby Museum, mm-hmm. any day, uh, the museum is open, and they have a. 360 degree screen uh, in the main room that is a, a derby show. So you can mm-hmm. basically stand in the middle of the room and look one direction and you're seeing you know the whole field at the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then there's also points of concentration and, and, and points of interest that they take you through the show. Um, so they redid that two years ago, three years ago, and I got to work on that. And now my position is they have to update it every year. And so they're down to two cameras um, one kind of at the finish line and one at turn one, which turn one is looking straight down the straightaway. So you catch the beginning of the race mm-hmm. and then you catch the finish line because they'll come all the way around and then come back to the mm. finish line. And the guy I work with, 
um, Dave Dart, uh, is an NFL uh, photographer. Yeah. He's a focus god. He, uh, we, our lens is a thousand millimeter lens. And not, a, not a zoom, a prime? No, that, well, a, a 50 to 1,000. Oh, is that the Canon? It's a Canon, oh, yes, okay, 50 yeah. to 1,000. And two years ago, there were only two in the country, and we had one of them. Wow. But they've made more since then. What is that, like a 5.6? Five, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't like to shoot under an 8 or so. Wow, if you're at 1,000 mil and you're at 8, it's still oh, razor exactly, thin. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, crazy. And he, he definitely beefs up the uh, focus, uh, the peaking on it. Yeah. Um, but uh, his shot is uh, 60 frames, straight down, and he has to get the beginning. Yeah. Then he has to get the, the winner of the race. And so we're there. We set up at uh, 9 in the morning. Mm. And, you know, we have a really nice uh, box on the rail. And uh, we set up, and then we watch it rain and not mm. rain, and then rain and not rain. And then the sun will come out, and then they have the derby. So you, you're saying he pulls his own focus. He pulls his own focus as the operator. As the operator. And so your job as the assistant is, what build, maintain. Mm-hmm. Man. Oh, this year there was a little bit of excitement. Yeah. Okay. So they have some weird parameters. You know, our frame rates are always like twenty three nine eight or twenty nine nine seven. You know, for the base project stuff. Yeah. Uh, because of the projection and the machinery and stuff, their base rate is thirty. Straight, 30 flat. Straight up 30. Not 29.97. No, no and, and I'm doing this three years, and each time I kind of go, really? Not 29. 30, 30 flat. 30, yeah. 30 flat. So huh. we set our camera up. We've, we've shot practice. we shot races. You know, he rehearses on earlier races, and we gamble. Yeah. And um, so about five minutes to post time, <clears throat> we turned the camera on, and we were ready to go, and he looks over at it, and it's like, there's the box where the sound information is mm-hmm. on the, this is the uh, Amira. Mm. And there was no information there. And there was just a couple black lines. And it's like, what the, what the, what the, what the, so, okay, got five minutes. So I turned the camera off. I turned the camera back on. And it says software program uh, warning reverting to older, reload your program, re- reload software or I'm reverting to an older software. Whoa. And it's like, five minutes to post time. And it's like, okay, well, okay, well, no. uh, So I just had to go through and reset, you know, they had frame lines that they had custom made. Yeah. They had, you know, 30 frames, uh, everything reset to like the little switches that you can switch to control, like a fast switch. White balance, all that stuff. Yes, exactly. Well, those stayed, our frame rates, you know, went to 25. Weird. Which is uh, European. Yeah. For one. Well, which I it's guess it's German. German. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's German. It is. Um, German. So, it, yeah. you know, it went to 25. I had to reprogram the little buttons. And, and I think I've got everything done, you know, and I'm looking at it two minutes of post time. And it's like, okay, I think we're good. I think we're good. And the, there's a guy that's a spotter that works with us. And his job, he's normally a sound guy that I know in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And his job is to watch the tote board and to whisper in Dave's ear, which horse is actually in the first, you know, mm. in, in winning because he's, he's looking straight at them. It's hard he to tell. can't tell who's in front, you know, especially if they're close. Yeah. And so this guy is telling him, you know, okay, red hat, blue jersey, you know, and giving him visual cues. Yeah. And he says at the last minute, goes, are we still recording log C? 
And it's like, yeah. And it's like, it reverted to 709 oh, in the log C. To internal 709? Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> so it was just one more thing. And wow. then with that, this is kind of weird, but you don't go into the menus for that. That you just hit the button on the side that where yes. the gamma is. Yes. And, and your so, tree, your look tree. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so it was a different place. And, but I got uh, it all back in a... One minute to post. We got one minute to post. <laughs> he got the shot and the derby was a success. Oh, my God. Cheers to that. Cheers to Jesus, that. saving the day. <laughs> Good Lord. That's uh, nerve-wracking. I feel like on every set, though, and our, our listeners probably have moments like this as well, there's always that one thing on that one job that happens or that, you know, there's always something. Yes. And I feel like that's a huge part of this job is you know, whatever department you're in, in the film industry is learning not only like your specific technical capabilities and whatever goes into your job, but also just how to deal with adversity and stress and when the shit hits the fan, you know, how do you take it? And I feel like the guys that keep working that I've noticed are the guys that deal with it well. They don't externalize their frustration. You know, they, they figured out the little workarounds and whatever, and they just kind of keep calm. We go home and kick our dogs. That's all. Jesus. No. Uh, no, no. But uh, you're right. I mean, right? I mean, is that that's a that's another part that you can't part. teach really. You kind of got to learn it. You yeah, I mean, you teach yourself. You're Why can't we all just get along? You know, <laughs> it, it kind of comes down to it and I personally because human, because uh, <laughs> because human. Uh, I I don't like it when people fight. I don't like it when mommy and daddy fight. Mm-hmm. And so I I want to I want to keep things on the up and the happy and uh, no drama. Yeah. But those are the people that keep working. You know. Well, those are the people you want to work with. I right. mean, when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, uh, do you want to work the a happy guy or yeah, not happy guy? Well, it, funny funny story. Uh, speaking of the log C Rec seven hundred nine Alexa thing. I was uh, did this University of Cincinnati commercial that we've talked about on the show, you know, to to death, and nobody ever wants to hear about it again. But there was an instance on that job. The first setup of the day was this like beautiful stuff, you know, low sun morning, girl running up the stadium steps, dolly track, like the biggest build. Yeah, you always on the show. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, we we shoot everything. It's gorgeous. We love it. Boom. It's all you know in my mind, metered, lit. Everything's balanced right. It looks, I think it looks great. I'm like, all right, you know, we still got a little bit of flexibility just in case in the log, you know, just in case everything's not right. Uh, we move on to the next setup of the day. You know, we dump the footage off to Chris Ratledge, our DIT. Right. He comes up and he's like, you know, taps me on the shoulder and he's like, uh, it's Rec 709. It's baked in. Uh, the look's baked in. Um, it looks good. Shooting, looks great. Were you shooting with a Sony? Uh, no, it was a Lexa Mini. Oh, really? Lexa Mini and Cook Anamorphics, and you know, it's my it's my first anamorphic job, and I'm like, this is, you know, mm-hmm. big for me, and I'm excited, and you know, I can't wait to get into the grade and see where we can push this, and it's baked in. <laughs> but uh, it's like, okay, well, we still got two and a half days of this production left. Uh, this can't, you know, set the tone, and so it was a, you know, I had dealing with a crisis kind of situation, but luckily. You know, everyone everyone had done their jobs. You know, that little piece it was just a screw up, and it turned out fine. Right, right. It, but it, yeah, 
There's some, I feel like some times where that could really, dis, you know, jump the track off the rails and cause some mental well, anguish. Well, if it happens twice, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if that, you know, was that, it was a stopover and, uh, you know, we were planning on salvaging something, but no. Yeah. So anyway, I've, I've had moments like that where it's like, oh God. Well, that's, well, and. Yeah. The, in film, you have to worry about the filter factors. You know, you, you got to do the math. As opposed to you, yeah. you put a filter and you put the you ND in, and then it's like, oh, I see it. I got to open up. Ooh, if oh, you, why uh, is it so dark? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, oh, what's your stop? You know, I can't want to shoot it at this, but oh, N3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. And that was what was fun with uh, the photography in Portugal was the whole, you know, I'm, I'm used to film. I'm used to. All right, 180 degree shutter, or you know, whatever for the creative aspect, right. uh, frame rate. All right, five six, got it. All right, five six, and all right, shoot. This is like uh, five six and a third, and a one five hundredth of a shutter. And, you know, trying to. Well, <laughs> it's just goofy. Yeah, because you you can go. You you've lost a or you've gained a variable. Yeah. I mean, I because your your forty eighth of a second is now whatever you want it to be. Yeah, and it should be more creative. It should be more free for you. Yeah, I don't like being locked into a anyway. But I don't have a you know map box that I can just drop in a filter and be like, well, I want it to be at a one forty eighth to get a little blur. And so now I'm gonna drop in an N twelve. The next know? the next step with your black and white is you need to get contrast filters. Blues and reds and greens. Reds, and reds, yellows, and in, oh, in that range, spectrum. yeah, because well, they do more for the skies. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones that, that darken the skies and stuff. Or if you're shooting trees and use a blue filter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just started, man. I just started. It's all about the color. Wheel. <laughs> it's a color wheel. <laughs> yeah, adding and taking away. I yeah, that's that's one thing I've uh, the additive and subtractive and you know refamiliarizing myself with all of that from school. Uh, especially in the, the black and white photography, mm-hmm. because it matters. Oh, it does you can see the contrast differences and the tonal differences immediately? Yes. So, but with film, you can't see it immediately. You got to wait until it's developed. <laughs> see if it, you know. It's all about testing, and the it's guy all supposed to be up here. I know. I'm pointing to my brain. <laughs> <laughs> up here. Yeah, that's funny, dude. Uh, hey, so something I do, and a lot of our listeners know that I do a lot of music videos. Yes. Do you, have you ever, and would you ever, and do you like or not like music videos? Okay, so I have done music, oh, of course, everyone's done music videos. But I, the the music videos I've done have been some of the most arduous projects I've ever been involved with. Mm-hmm. They're usually 18-hour flat rate or no rate. Beat your you beat your head. <laughs> or or no rate. Oh yeah, there's that too. Um, yeah, but no, I've done actually. Uh, I've done. I did a music video with Robert Plant. Really? Mm-hmm. It was one of his. It was in Cleveland, and actually, I was a Jenny op, and uh, he was doing "If I Were a Carpenter and You Were My Lady" was oh, the song he sang. Yeah. And it was at a, an abandoned theater in uh, Cleveland. And uh, it, was, it was, he was a nice guy. I mean, he ate lunch with us and hung out. Was so, that an 18 hour day as well? Yeah, probably was. Definitely was. In fact, it, oh, the one thing I do remember about it, there was a woman that had an umbrella 
that had strings hanging off each of the the uh, veins of the umbrella mm-hmm. that had a candle tied to the bottom of it, like a foot down from the umbrella, and then there was a candle that was lit, and she was walking around set with these candles hanging off of this umbrella on fire. Um, and she wasn't on camera. She was just doing that for fun? Oh, yeah. No, she, <laughs> yeah she was a PA. Uh, <laughs> this lady's crazy. <laughs> but that, that, that's the visual I, I bring back from from that, uh, that wow. music video. Man, what an experience. It was interesting. And uh, there was one music video that we were shooting at Bogart's, and I think it was Midnight Star was the band. And I was teaching a photography class, an adult education photography class Mm. in Walnut Hills. And I left to teach my class, taught my class, and returned. And no one knew. <laughs> wow! That I left. I wasn't in the camera department at the time. I was, I was, I was, saying, I was grip electric at the time. So where think, the hell did Roger uh, you know, go? It's like, Cover me! I'm going to be gone for three hours. Yeah, I got to teach a class. And uh, so, I, I was not missed. That's great. So you've done the whole spectrum of, you know, types of projects in this industry. Is there anything that you haven't done or that you want to do, like type of project? VR, 3D, I mean, anything new and crazy? Well, you know, I, I, I did a VR project not too long ago. Wow. And uh, there's nothing to do. Because yeah, you can't you can't <laughs> You can't put anything anywhere. You can't be anywhere. No one can be anywhere because it sees everything, and I'm really confused by that. So how, what were some of the challenges that, that you had to, you know, in that you can't, you see everything, where were you? Where was everybody? What? How did you, you know, go about tackling some of the issues? Um, there was. I've never done it. There so was there was a plywood cutout of a whale, painted. Okay, so was this a music me, video? Let me set the scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, go Scott Fredette, of course. Oh, okay. okay. All right, so, um, it is a abandoned street that's all overgrown. It is a circle of children, eh, 12 years old or so, wearing white coveralls, a yellow stocking mask with the eyes cut out over their faces, and they are in a circle around the VR camera. Not creepy at all. No, not at all. And um, they are coming in on the camera and expanding away from the camera and going around in circles and doing their things. So that was day one. Uh, that was the kids. And then day two was uh, to substitute for the children, they had mannequins built wearing the same outfits yeah. with the, the coveralls and the yellow things. And so from the second day was all um, animation Ooh. where you would move the, the figure and turn it a little and, and they would shoot five seconds and move it and turn it and they did all that okay. and they circled them around and they came in and out and then they set them on fire. Whoa. And uh, So you thought the children were burning. And then it, actually the, I've seen the video I only saw it once but uh, it, it shows in reverse. So it, it kind of starts out with the things on fire and then becoming whole again ah. and moving around and then it ends with the children actually going in and out. Interesting. So, yeah, again, that's that's my VR experience. What uh, what was it? Was it like the Nokia VR thing? Was it a, an array of GoPros? Was it? No, I think it was uh, it was a Samsung. 
Okay. And it has basically two cameras, 180 from each other. Yeah. And they each have a 180 field of view. So it's a full sphere. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and you can watch it on your, you know, there's a Samsung. If you have a Samsung phone, it'll Bluetooth to your phone and you can control the camera like a GoPro. That's a lot more simpler than some of the other rigs I've seen. Oh, where... my God. Some of those things with, with uh, I don't know how many the cameras. The globe of yeah. GoPros where you have so many kind of seam points between camera to camera. And you can't, if you have something that well, crosses between, it looks like the guy's split in half. And Right. And then there was know. that issue with this because it was a, you know, a 360. But then again, it all depends on which way you're looking with your when you're wearing the glasses. Yeah. When you look at the video, because don't look you, perfectly parallel to the lens. <laughs> yes, and yeah. and you know you, I mean, and that's the uh, the aspect of it is you you really have to be. Uh, it's a viewer involved. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not they're controlling. You're, the you're not sitting. You you're not forced to look in one direction. You have the options to look away or to look to see what. Uh, Something is happening outside of the frame area or whatever, yeah. you know. Kind of fascinates me. It is, but because I know it's hard to apply what we do to it, right? Because we're we're used to here. Here's where you're supposed to look, what you're supposed to focus con- and on. We can control this area, and that's all the only area we can control. Yeah. And there's cuts mm-hmm. in VR. It's it's a more or less seamless, long yes. take kind yes. of a deal. That, that's true too. Yeah. You know, it's just weird. I don't. I don't even know how to wrap my brain around it sometimes. But I know that that's kind of the direction, at least for now, that things are heading. And I know I need to jump in and learn it because there's going to be that job that's like VR. You know, you got to know it. What's to know other than to well set this thing in the middle of the space it, and lighting? Uh, you can't hide it. How can you light it? Through windows. Yeah, I mean, it has to be yeah. environmentally motivated, motivated in a sense. Yeah. You know, practicals, I mean, you, you, which is stuff that we do now, anyways. But yeah, just you can't have a source just out of frame because mm-hmm. the entire thing's a frame. Mm-hmm. And and what's the sound guy going to do? Yeah, everyone's lobbed. <laughs> everyone's lobbed, or there's a you know Adam here at Sound Images has been messing around with these three D microphones that look like a pair of ears. That you know, stereoscopic, oh, sound kind mm-hmm. of a deal. So it's yeah, you mount that directly under the camera, I guess. And but now, what, do you have to to turn it to make it? Does it? It uh, the like the one he has now, uh, it's got a program where when you, as a listener, turn your head, you know, and you you go from side to side or look back or whatever, it takes the three D kind of sound cloud that it's recorded mm-hmm. and maps it to to where you're looking, I guess. So it kind of seems like. Because, well, I, I did a job at the zoo yeah. uh, last Friday and at the uh, uh, painted dog exhibit, which are, they're like hyenas. Yeah. They have these two ears. Yeah, yeah, I've that, seen it. Yeah. That you could put your head in between to listen, you know, because it's a cone shape and it you know, focuses it, it. Yeah, focuses it into your ear, and so I, w- I was wondering if it was like that. It, 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 well, yeah. So the the array, the like mic array, captures all the sound. Okay. And then based on you as a as a viewer, where you're looking, it only focuses on a certain part of that cloud or whatever. Okay. You know what I so mean? So it's like a fader in a sense. It, yeah. You, but it auto fades. Auto fades to where you are. Yeah. The the demo that Adam did to me, he had to kind of control it and pan it left, right, behind, whatever, 
but I assume that there's a, uh, you know, I believe there's an automatic version where mm-hmm. your head's turning. Okay. You know. So it'd be a mimic kind of thing where it would know where your head exactly. was turning and, and... Yeah. So like you calibrate it looking directly at the monitor or whatever. And then when you look left, it fades off to the left. When you look right, it fades off to the right. Kind of a thing like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Crazy. Technology's crazy. Who who knows what they're going to think of next? I don't know. We're all just going to be put into a pod and strapped into the Matrix, and well, it's all over. Whatever they think <laughs> of, I have to learn it. You gotta, you, you gotta learn it. That's the only issue. Yeah, well, so. you, used to be, it's like, okay, I know how to load this kind of mag and this kind of mag and this kind of mag, and now it's like, I know this menu, I know this menu, and I know this menu. It's all come down to. And some are more frustrating than others. Sony. Yeah. <laughs> Some S brand we will not name. Oh, yeah. I did. I didn't hear you. No. Yeah. Go ahead and sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! But that's the that's the message. I think the takeaway is is be adaptable. Yes. You know. Yeah. I mean, try to make yourself as uh, available as possible. I guess. Or actually, here let me let me set this up. Okay. Do you have any words of wisdom for uh, a youngin? out there, you know, itching to get into the the AC game specifically that knows that they want to be an AC. Any words of advice? A first. I got to be nice, right? <laughs> no, you can be as brutally <laughs> No, cuz I'm not a brutal person. I'm not I'm not that kind of person. I, I, I would just say <laughs> I would just say, you know, pay attention and be ready. I mean, the the best thing you can be is uh, uh, ready to react in a sense, you know, or, and the better you are, the more you can anticipate. I mean, if you can be a person that can be familiar enough with what's going on to maybe see what's going to happen next and prepare for that, that's that's really the best you can do. Mm. An electric self-aware sponge. <laughs> <laughs> an electric self-aware sponge. Okay. That, that works. Can right? they pick things up? Sure. And to be able to pick things up. Uh, that is another very important... Uh, gotta have arms. Yes. And, yeah. a, and a strong back and the willingness to pick things and up. thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> a rhinoceros-skinned electric self-aware sponge with arms. AC. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's me. Turtle. Uh, that's <laughs> crazy. But turtles, don't, they move too slow. Oh my god! And move as fast as you can. That's you know. Well, slow and steady wins the race. Not in the film industry. <laughs> no, no. Well, there, there's the uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm. That works. Or there's the the triangle, the uh, oh. overlapping circles of quick, fast, and easy. Pick or, two or quick, whatever. Quick, good, fast, and good, or, fast, and cheap. Cheap, fast, and good. Yeah. Pick yeah. two. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Last thing. Um, is there anything that people should know about Roger Holiday that I don't know? Jeez. <laughs> Where can I start? Roger Holiday is a... Uh, Likes long walks just, on the beach and he's puppies. He's just a really nice guy. He... He, uh, passions. I'm, I'm people, sorry. Passions I'm a, I'm outside of person. <laughs> passions outside of filmmaking. Passions outside of film. Oh, I, I like to play golf. Um, but there's something specific that I know about that. Aren't you a musician? Uh, I do play bass. All right. I do play bass. You're a bass I, man. I, I play bass. I play bass, bass all my life. I, that's probably the the 
the most consistent thread through my life has been music. Hmm. And um, my my first gig was at my own eighth grade graduation dance. They wanted to have a band. And we were in the eighth grade and we had a band. It's wow. like, hey man, we'll play. So you're the cool kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the edge. Nice. So yeah, I mean, and and so it's funny because when I went to school you know, at OU, I, I played mm. in a couple bands. I played at the Frontier Room. Mm. Um, and uh, I just always have played music. And it's... Is there any uh, you know overlap with uh, film industry, music industry? Is it is it your way to escape? Is it a good coping mechanism? Does it help influence what you do on set? Everybody plays. Everybody I work with plays music, and so I don't know if it's just because we're all like minded and and have you know similar situations, but I wouldn't say everybody. A lot of people play, and so. That helps. That's a form of communication. And when you're, you when you play music with other people, you're you're non-verbally communicating, hopefully, and you know that you're 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 talking as you're playing, uh, and that can carry over into to filmmaking in a sense that uh, that uh, you're picking up what other people are putting down, mm-hmm. and and you know it's a common common project, and so therefore you can uh, help in a direction that is part of the direction it's uh you know if you, if you had to associate filmmaking with the type of music it'd probably be jazz right in some senses well in some sense yeah it's definitely improvisate improvisational um and uh well the, the good projects the good projects yeah. the scripted ones the the ones that are super set in stone maybe not so much but i think there's an aspect of that where you know, yeah, you got to know all the technical aspects, how to play the instrument and whatever. But in the moment, you know, you got to pick a direction and, and kind of riff off of right what your counterpart's doing. Well, and and visually, things you know, be it the location that you're in, or or there are factors that are going to influence. Yeah, you know, one of my be, I guess I don't know, if I wouldn't call it a problem, but uh, if I am given something to shoot or something, I have a, I, I'll form an image in my brain. Mm of what it's going to look like. And, and a lot of times I won't have the location and I won't have been there yet. So I'm thinking in just from description of people have, have given me mm-hmm. of what this is going to look like. And sometimes it's, you know, it, you have to adapt, mm. and, you know, because you've, you've, you've been thinking in this direction for several times beforehand. And then it's like, you, that's not the way it is. So what you going to do? You know, how you going to, Fix be, that. Be shattered. Just just be a devastated human. <laughs> Their dreams have been crushed. <laughs> Sorry, can't do this. No, uh, you adapt. Yeah. The message of the day, adapt, man. Adapt. Adapt and be strong. Learn new stuff. Whatever. I mean, that's, that's been my, stuff. another thread is like, you know, I there's new things out there that if I want to work with them, I got to learn them. And learn it you will. And learn it I will. That's cool. awesome, man. Cool. Well, it's been good having you on. Thanks. I've Cheers. enjoyed this. I, yeah. This is my first podcast. Well, we'll we'll do it again. I'm sure there'll be a project coming up where we'll uh, we'll have to break it down, and it'll be super technical, and you'll have to give us your insight. <laughs> <laughs>
You can't wait. F4. F4. (laughs) Anyway. Well, thanks for coming on, Roger. Thanks Uh, for inviting me. Cheers. And to all of our listeners out there, hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you on the next one. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.